Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome to another episode of The Relatable Voice. The RV headed now to Highland, Illinois to speak with Michael Picard. Michael is a former software engineer and retail computer salesman who has turned to fiction as his third career. So, Michael, welcome back to the RV. It's my pleasure to be with you. I am super happy because I love going back to the U.S. as I'm in Spain. So this is a great opportunity that I'm talking to you and visiting Illinois. You told me that you are inspired by ideas, humans, or aliens in all shapes, sizes, and materials. So, Michael, I'm curious to know if you believe in aliens, and if so, why? Uh, so, uh, I do believe that there are life forms uh, outside of Earth. Uh, they may not look humanoid. Uh, they uh, may not have red blood uh, coursing through veins, but uh, the law of large numbers, so many billions of planets, uh, it, it seems to me incomprehensible that there is not at least one other planet where there is something that we would designate as life. Yeah, I agree with you completely. There are so many planets in this universe, and Sometimes I'm afraid. I look at this sky and I say, oh my gosh, maybe I will see something different. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> it was the idea of creatures who were alive on other planets that was part of my motivation for my very first book, The Gurfnet Chronicles, because Gurfnet was made out of stone uh, and it had six little stumpy legs. And instead of eyes and nose and ears, it had little half domes called ometers uh, that could measure things like light and temperature and heat and distance. And so it lived a very different life uh, than humans. And, and so exploring that was really a lot of fun. I'm very interested in these things. And Michael, in which genre do you prefer to write? Because I saw you wrote a book of short stories. So what is your favorite genre to write, I mean? Um, so I, I think in my heart, it's science fiction, because there are so many possibilities. 
And so you can speculate and invent, uh, and I can use my creativity to, to uh, inform and entertain my readers. Uh, there's always a, a little bit of true science uh, in my science fiction uh, to make it credible, uh, but then my imagination kind of stretches things a little bit, fills in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Although I am, I am now starting a major effort in uh, mystery stories. So I, I have uh, I have crossed over at least for a little while. I believe that you were interested about science fiction for a long time. Yes, uh, I, I would watch uh, uh, science fiction uh, TV shows uh, back even when the screen was not a flat screen and it might have even been black and white. But the fact that writers of scripts for those shows could exercise their imagination and bring you along with them into those stories, uh, I thought that was really admirable. I think that's part of the reason that I find the the genre so appealing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Michael, you are retired, and now you are full time writer. Am I correct? Yeah. Uh, it, as busy as my calendar is with writing and critiquing, uh, it doesn't feel like I'm much retired. But someone told me a long time ago that when you retire, you're busier than when you were working. And I think that's true. Uh, but I did a bit of it to myself. I'm working on four novels at the same time right now. Uh, I've, I've never put that kind of workload on myself before. Uh, but it just kind of happened. The, the good news is that all of the four books are at different stages of completion so it's not like i'm editing all four or i'm deep in writing all four uh it is uh dealing with these uh whether they've just been back from beta readers or they're in critique or one that i'm about to do in november you said something about critique and critiques are an important part of my editing process because they help me figure out what really, you know, needs to be improved. So what is your opinion about joining a writing critic group? Well, I think it's necessary. Uh, But what I learned early on was that as hard as I might look at a chapter in a novel and try to analyze it, as the author, there, there are things that uh, skew my perspective. Uh, they, they limit the way I look at it. And so uh, I have found uh, belonging to several critique groups, and at least two groups see each of my novels, and that doesn't include beta readers that see it before the novel is released. Uh, they come at it from different perspectives, uh, forward and back. Uh, the novel that I released in February uh, had been reviewed in critique by close to 20 people. And the the reason for that is that when the book is released, I want it to have uh, the best chance of high quality. Uh, I don't want silly mistakes. I don't want uh, continuity errors. Uh, I don't want characters behaving one way in chapter one and behaving differently in chapter six unless that's motivated. And so uh, beta readers who see the entire manuscript uh, when 
is seen as many edits as I and the critique groups can provide, they have an overall perspective that really enhances how I view the material. And, mm -hmm. and I, think, I think it's critical. Yeah, and I learned so much by also by reading other people's work and kind of listening to what other people say about the same pieces. You learn so much. And Michael, you are participating in the National Novel Writing Month in November. So Correct. all congratulations. Well, we'll see if congratulations are uh, uh, appropriate uh, when the, the month is over. Uh, yes, but, I know. But I, I have been doing uh, National Novel Writing Month uh, for uh, eight years. Uh, and I, I took a look. Uh, I have written uh, under National Novel Writing Month uh, 629,790 words. So not not quite uh, three quarters of a, a million, but it's a lot of words. And I've written words outside of the, the NaNoWriMo uh, process. So, so for your listeners who uh, don't know what National Novel Writing Month is, uh, it was started in 1999 uh, by a gentleman named Chris Beatty. And uh, it started out with, you know, just some of his friends in California. Uh, it has now grown to over 429,000 participants last year across the world. And that includes mun municipal liaisons, people in various communities, organize uh, events. Uh, the goal for NaNoWriMo is for a writer to write 50,000 words in the month of November. And it comes out to be roughly uh, 1,700 words a day. And and that's not a lot of words if you spend a few hours. The They talk about promoting writing. But for me, the process in November is more like dumping. Uh, so the screen is there. Uh, I have prepared for uh, NaNoWriMo for two months. So we're in October at the moment. I've been planning since September for what will be my 13th novel. Uh, it is the third novel of a mystery trilogy. And uh, I know what happens and I know the characters from the previous two books. And so on November 1st, uh, uh, one minute after midnight on the previous night, I will start dumping the story out of my head into the computer. And I will do that as fast as I can uh, without stopping to edit, without stopping to make decisions. Hopefully the decisions about the story have already been, the major ones have been already been made in September and October. And so uh, I will place the characters in their settings and I will watch the, their behavior and I will document that kind of like the stream of consciousness. Uh, and usually I can get the 50,000 words done in roughly two weeks, but I don't stop there. I mean, I continue writing the story and I will try to dump the entire story before the month is over. 
That's very impressive, Michael. In two weeks, you were able to write 50,000 words. And how is your writing schedule? Well, if it isn't November, then uh, sometimes it's difficult for me to to put my body in the chair. Uh, but with four projects pending, there is always something that is attractive uh, to write about, uh, whether it's... Uh, uh, doing edits on something where I've gotten some feedback or it's dabbling with a science fiction novel on the side because the four novels are three mysteries. And then of course, one science fiction novel that I like to play with. Uh, and so uh, in November, uh, my wife knows that I'm going to be heads down uh, doing all of this. And so I, I lock the door and I, uh, I will write for long bursts to try to get the words out. Uh, I was going to make the joke that she slides pizza under the door, but the, the gap is too thin. She, she wouldn't be able to get the, the sausage underneath the door. Uh, but it, it, is, uh, it is just dedication to a goal. Uh, I, I have done this for eight years, uh, and I have won. Uh, it's not really winning, but I've, I've met the goal of 50,000 words uh, eight times. Uh, and most of those became novels that I subsequently released. So uh, it is part of my process. I, I depend on National Novel Writing Month to get the words into the computer, because if they're not in the computer, I can't edit them. Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea of write fast and don't stop uh, to edit yourself, you can always do that later is the key to success in National Novel Writing Month. Mm -hmm. And how is the publishing process? Do you have a publisher or you are an indie author? So, uh, so I'm an indie author. Uh, I uh, use the, uh, the publishing tools of Amazon to create both a paperback and a Kindle uh, compatible ebook. In February, for the first time, I hired a professional graphic artist for the cover, and she did a marvelous job. And I asked if she would be willing to do the mystery trilogy, and she said yes. And she and I are collaborating on the covers for the three mysteries. And one of the things I wanted was if you laid the three books side by side, that part of the graphics on the covers would carry over from the first book to the second book to the third book. And uh, so she has designed something and it's very subtle, uh, but uh, there are lines and circles that appear on all three covers and they're all connected. And the idea is that the circles represent clues and the detective Nick is connecting the clues with these lines. So uh, there's a bit of a metaphor there, but it, it, it visually, even though the pictures on the covers and the illustrations are different, uh, those circles and lines kind of carry you through from one to, one cover to the next cover to the next cover. Mm -hmm. it, it, the, the graphics part of it is fascinating. And she's open to uh, my suggestions and comments. So it really is a collaboration. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Michael, the last time we talked, you had just published your book Forward and Back. And right. you told me that the book was inspired by, by your daughter. So these series, these mysteries series, are inspired by someone that you know? Or... I was pretty much married to uh, science fiction as a genre because it was a very comfortable space for me. Uh, when I was working on The Three Mysteries, I had no intention of adding a fourth book to my workload. But there was this idea that had been percolating in the back of my head. And so I, I took some notes and then notes became chapters. And it wasn't really planned out. And, and it didn't have its origins in a national novel writing uh, experience. So uh, that novel has been kind of piece parts, uh, taking uh, an idea here, an idea there. And, and that development process has been kind of frustrating because I'm always going back to chapter one and modifying it because of something in chapter seven. For the mystery novels, uh, those were uh, or are a test for me uh, to see if I could move from science fiction to mystery. And the feedback I'm getting from uh, creative writing teachers at universities who've been critiquing some of the chapters is that this may be the best writing I've ever done. So uh, at least in one teacher's opinion, uh, creative deductions could be good enough that I might try to find an agent for it and have it mainstream published. I'm not sure I want to go through the trouble of that. I, I like the, the creative part of writing. I'm not really thrilled about the business side of writing, finding an agent. Uh, who then has this, uh, so that's a selling process, right? I have to sell the book to the agent. Then the agent has to sell the book to the publisher. And if the publisher finally says yes, then 12 months later, maybe the book comes out. So the timing, the control, uh, and all the time and effort, uh, that's not insignificant. And there'll be lots of agents who say no. And so, you know, fighting that, because uh, it's not a simple process. And finding a publisher who thinks they can make money off the book, that's not a simple process. So uh, if, if uh, I had to say the inspiration uh, for the mystery novels, it's proving to myself that I'm not a one genre author, uh, that I can step up to something different. Yeah, excellent. And also you were talking about publisher. There are so many gatekeepers in the middle of this process and it takes yeah. so long i don't think i could wait for so long to have my book published uh, i don't know i'm I, i'm not patient for these things <laughs> there was an author i knew uh who wrote beautifully she won a national contest uh for her manuscript uh that got her an agent the agent shopped the book around to publishers And all the publishers said, the writing is beautiful. We love the story. However, it won't sell. And so we're not taking it. And I looked at that experience and said, 
if she can't get the book placed with a publisher and she writes that well, that's completely disappointing. I mean, I, I, how can I run that gauntlet and, and think I'm going to have success? Mm-hmm. So uh, for, for me, that was a tipping point. And I said, okay, then I'm going to maintain control. I will find people to help me do covers. I will find critique groups to raise the quality. And I won't put something up on Amazon until I'm sure that the reader is getting, the buyer reader is getting something uh that's worth the money they're paying. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, Michael, what would you say to those just starting out on the craft? I think that everybody has at least one story in their head that they'd like to tell. And maybe it's memoir, uh, maybe it's fiction. Uh, uh, I, I think that if you are dedicated to the story and it has to be dedicated in your head, and dedicated in your heart, uh, then you ought to give it a shot. And, and the reason why it has to be both intellectual and emotional is that writing a book isn't easy. There's lots of effort. You know, I'll, I'll dump 50,000 words or more in November, but that won't see the light of day for a year and a half. Uh, it's critique and edit and rewriting and more rewriting. Uh, it is... Uh, a lot of trudging through the same words over and over again. And if you don't have the motivation uh, in, you know, the ideas in your head and, and the words come out of your head, but if you don't have the motivation in your heart to complete it, I uh, really have to feel like this is a story that needs to be told. I need to be able to share. I have to share this with other people. And if you have to share it, you got to finish it. So uh, I think that, if you have a, a story and you are dedicated to telling it, then tell it. And the, the easiest way for me has been everyone, everyone who writes has their own style. There's some people who get up in the morning, they write for a half an hour, and then they go about their day. And uh, after some number of months, they've accumulated enough uh, to start editing. Uh, other people use uh, an opportunity like NaNoWriMo uh, to take a story and just kind of dump it out. Uh, and not worry about correcting it because there'll be another year's worth of corrections on uh, all those words. Uh, so no matter what your style of writing happens to be, if you have a story and you're dedicated to it, you ought to tell it. Thank you. And Michael, where can our listeners find you? And of course, your books. There are so many books, like 12 books, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, the nine of them are novels. Uh, there are two children's books, uh, and there's a collection of short stories uh, that were published in local journals uh, over the last uh, 15 years. So uh, uh, those journals had gone out of print, so I collected up all of those short stories and essays and put it into a, a, a collection called Shorts. Uh, and you can tell it's a picture of my shorts on the cover. All of my books are available at www.gerfnit, G-E-R-F as in Frank, N-I-T, dot com. Uh, that's a shortcut to take your listeners to the uh, uh, Amazon author page for my work. 
Uh, I love getting emails to talk about writing. I, I like to help people out when I can. So if someone wants to drop me an email, they can send it to author at gerfnit.com. And I'd be happy to chat with them. Wonderful, Michael. I think I will be sending you some, <laughs> some manuscripts. <laughs> so anyways, I would like to thank you very much for your participation, for your time. And good luck in November. Thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to seeing you next spring when Creative Deductions gets released. Yes, spring 2023. Correct. So you come back. I will <laughs> to talk about this book, of course. <laughs> well, I love speaking with you. Thank, Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Likewise. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. because there are so many possibilities. And so you can speculate and invent, uh, and I can use my creativity to, to uh, inform uh, and entertain my readers. Uh, there's always a, a little bit of true science uh, in my science fiction uh, to make it credible, uh, but then my imagination kind of stretches things a little bit, fills in the blanks. Mm -hmm. Although I am, I am now uh, starting a major effort in uh, mystery stories, so I, I have uh, I have crossed over at least for a little while.
Wow, that's interesting. And I I believe that you were interested about science fiction for a long time since you were a, a kid or, or during your childhood. Yes, uh, I, I would watch uh, uh, science fiction uh, TV shows uh, back even when. Uh... Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.